0: Cousins does not come back. Five on four. Hayward attacks. Kicks to Rodney. Left corner three. No. Offensive rebound. Tipped back by Gobert. Well, Cousins stands at the half court. logo. You are Locked On Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked on Jazz for Friday, March 31st, Old Time Pack Edition. We're going to run through old time players and what their pack ratings were compared, I don't know, to whatever you want. I'm excited for this one. It's a fun Friday. We'll update the playoff situation. We'll look at the NBA pack if we want to quickly of what's going on right now as well. That's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Ba-dum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum-bum. How are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Today's going to be a really fun show. Uh, We're PAC, which is Points Above Average Created. I'm assuming a lot of you know it by now. Uh, It's the statistic that I use to evaluate all offensive players. Uh, The basic concept is I take the amount of scoring opportunities you get in a game and how you would do it compared to an average player uh, in the NBA. And... Uh, analyze everyone from there, and what we're going to do today on the show is uh, one of our past listeners did incredible. Uh, hopefully, still a listener, maybe you can text me. And let me know. Uh, did incredible work uh, last year for me, and basically went through every player in the history of the NBA and their season, and gave and figured out what their pack rating. Now, some things are funky. The game changes. It's not all universal when Wilt Chamberlain's averaging 48 minutes a game uh, compared to what our guys are doing at 30, you know, playing 34 minutes a game. His pack's going to look a whole lot better. So, uh, but I'm going to take your questions, look at it, update where we stand on uh, the hottest players and the coldest players in the NBA as we always do on a Friday. I always enjoy that uh, and uh, get you a little bit ready for the Wizards along the way. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. And the really really good people there, and the the eye opening experience that I'm having driving a Hyundai. It was funny. I was talking to some friends about it the other day, and so he's like, "So what you're telling us is we're all we've all been fooled. We're, we're all we're, we're all being played a fool." I was like, "Yeah, maybe. Like, yeah, I didn't think much of the Murdoch. Uh, the I, excuse me, I thought a lot of the Murdoch. I didn't know the Murdochs, but uh, I didn't I didn't think much of the Hyundai brand. Now I'm driving it, and it yeah, absolutely makes you wonder why, you know." My, the car I'm driving the Santa Fe, I, would, I think, is awfully close to that kind of Lexus everyone has, and I think it's about $30,000 less. So, like, are we just being fooled? I don't know. It's a good question, isn't it? All right. Um, I wrote a post on Facebook last night, and I do want to share with you this. Uh, on Sunday, uh, I will not do the Jazz game. Uh, Craig Bullerjack has, amazingly, uh, been nice enough to give up his... One weekend off and call the game for me because my son qualified uh, for the national championships. And so I am going to fly on a red eye tonight, hopefully, quickly, there, uh, out to go watch him. It also means there'll be no postcast empty of the Noggin tonight because my flight's at 1045. And that there will be no uh, tip-off or locked-on jazz on Monday or Tuesday. Just not feasible. Uh maybe maybe an afternoon Tuesday. Uh the real story here though is what an amazing organization I work for and what amazing people I work for. So uh this happened a little unexpectedly while we were on the road. Uh my son really performed well and uh and obviously <laughs> uh and we weren't expecting that. And uh my first reaction, I gotta work, I gotta work. And then Kristen and Travis and Bowler and Boone, who are really, you know, at this point, my family for the season really pushed me. and was like, you got to go. Um, and that that was a hard one because you feel like you can never miss a game. And then I presented the idea to my boss, who immediately Jeremy Castro said, yeah, go. I know it's important to you. Go. And then I got nervous and ran by the president, Steve Starks, because I was like, well, you, you know, I just don't want anyone to think that I'm neglecting. And to, he's like, I'd be so mad at you if you didn't ask. And it just was incredible. I knew these things. I knew who I worked for. I knew who I worked with. Um, but it's been a really amazing experience as much, as frankly, as my son uh, performing, which blows my mind, um, that uh, anyone with stricken with my genetics has been able to somehow do this. Um, it's been an incredible experience to be know for a fact, which I knew before, but I that this organization is who they are and it's really been truly 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 remarkable so with that said my name is david my pin is in park city utah and that is yet another reason why i love the utah jazz how's that so that's our pin across the world uh today but it does mean that uh no show i did dunked on basketball with nate duncan if you want to grab that uh the coach is up on locked on nba talk hoops was incredible on locked on nba he's so fun um so make sure you grab those, so hopefully there's enough content for you, and then I'll be back with you on Wednesday after we have a really, really fun show today. All right, let's go run through uh, – well, last night we got no help. I mean, I was begging, wanting the Suns to uh, pull something off. The bigger story is kind of how well the Blazers are playing. They're 13-3 and three in March, um, best in the NBA. We have to play them twice. I tell you, I mean – and then – it's just gonna be hard for us to hold the four guys. It's gonna be, it's gonna be really hard. Uh, then it's even almost harder when you consider that we don't have, you know, George Hill's not playing uh, against John Wall, and Derek Favors is not playing. George Hill's situation re- is a real bummer um, because, well, first of all, um, right groin strains can take a while, right? Uh, the one that's more disconcerting with what I think is going on, I I don't, you know, with George is the toe injury is, I I think having an impact on all of this. So if you just kind of look at what's happened here is, you know, the toe injury is definitely, he's not, first of all, he's not the same defensive player that he was earlier. And then what you have is this, he comes back from the toe injury and he went for about 15 games. And then, uh, he didn't play on the back end of a back-to-back against Dallas, which is fine, but we did lose that game. Uh, and then he plays again against Boston. And then he sits from March, he sits out the back-to-back against New Orleans and the game against Houston and plays again against Oklahoma City, limitedly that game. Uh, what Part of what happens here is suddenly um, because of the All-Star break and because of the toe injury, You know, George plays on February 8th and then doesn't play, then plays three games until February 24th. Uh, So three games in 16 days, comes back, plays six games, then sits out and doesn't play a game for six days. And what I think happens at that point when you're 30 years old, which he is, is that you're... The rest of your body is late in the season. I'm assuming, you know, he can't if his toes hurt, he can't be running and doing a lot, so he's not able to maintain the same kind of physical conditioning. And then the rest of the body, you know, begins to go. And if you kind of look at his game recently, it's not the same. He hasn't taken a free throw in over a hundred minutes on the floor, uh, you know, that he's been playing. Uh, so it's, you know, this is a guy who shot twelve and eleven and six and eight. Eight and uh, he's just not the beast that was just awesome earlier in the season. His numbers are okay as if his shots fall, but uh, that's my only concern is that you know, now what you have is this thing kind of compiling on himself, and you suddenly now you have a 30 year old point guard who, um, is not probably in as, as hopefully good or was in as good a condition as he, um, he was. So, you know, we'll see. Chris Paul had a groin strain in twenty in early of 2015. Um, Anthony Davis had it when you kind of try to look around, and often when you do this, it's really hard to try to figure out what the, what it means uh, on, on how long guys play. As I, on, as I said, on the thigh contusion for Hayward, you had Zeller who sat out seven, played one, was so bad that he sat out another seven. And You had other guys who missed one game. Uh, I believe... In the case of Chris Paul, he missed three out of five. He missed a game, played two, and then sat two more uh, with the right green st- groin strain in 2015. JJ uh, Perea had it this year, and it was long. He was out for a long time, so it obviously deals with the severity of of what that groin strain. If that groin strain, yeah, I don't think JJ Peraya has played more than 30 games this year, and a lot of it. Um, is off the right groin strain. So hopefully, uh, and Mon has had it a few times this year. He's gotten old. It's this one. I, you know, I always do that. I was just kind of look and say, all right, groin strain, how long, um, and it, you sometimes find something and you, you don't, uh, Gary Harris had it for a little while. Uh, Wilson Chandler just had it recently in March. I mean, it's not an uncommon injury, um, but Wilson Chandler, if I remember correctly, is this kind of similar situation to where I see George Hill, which is Wilson Chandler, whose body has broken down at time, has to be really careful of maintenance. Um, he's third, twenty nine years old. You know, he starts to miss some games, and if you look at him, he kind of pl- does the same thing. He pl- he takes back to back off or game off and. Suddenly, you know, played 15, then takes a few days off, and then plays 14, takes a few days off, and take. And the next thing you know, he pulls his groin, and he missed four, he missed four games uh, just recently. All right, let's get to uh, Pac. So, anyway, we got no help last night. It was basically Devin Booker got in foul trouble. The Suns made it close, just kind of giving you hope, and then Chris Paul uh, took over. That's the last back-to-back for the Clippers this year. Their schedule's just crazy easy. Things we need tonight... Uh, of relevance, uh, Dallas is in Memphis. I'd like Dallas to win, that could that would really make sure we don't fall in the um, anymore. Spurs are at the Thunder. We really need the Spurs to win tonight, and I don't know if they're going to. Coming off that loss, Uh it, we really, really, really need them uh, to win tonight. So if we the Thunder go win that, we really start staring at six. All right, let's get to pack. Who are well? We'll just update you. The best offensive players in the NBA this year. Kevin Durant still holds it one despite playing 59 games. Isaiah Thomas is two. He's a plus 3.4. What does that mean? That means that for the scoring opportunities he uses in a given night, 23, he scores 3.4 points more than the average player scores. So that's a lot. Uh, nobody's massive this year. Last year, Steph Curry uh, was the best there was. Uh, last year, Durant was a 4.1. Steph Curry was the best there was with a 5.8. We haven't had that in a long time. 14-15 season, uh, Durant led at 4.0. He's pretty much just holding. Curry was 3.9. 13-14 uh, season, Durant was a 4.7. LeBron was a 4.5. So for all the massive numbers we're having this year, nobody is actually highly more efficient than they've ever been before. We probably just have understood that we should give our best players the ball more. Um so Harden's a 3.0. Uh, well, the thing about Harden, by the way, is he doesn't use any more scoring opportunities than Isaiah Thomas. He uses 23.8 a game. It's a lot, but it's Damian Lillard uses 22. Steph is at 2.7. LeBron is at 2.7. Kyle Lowry, 2.7. Rudy Gobert is at 2.6. I am telling you, when you look at the Utah Jazz and you understand how many injuries they've had this year and how is it humanly possible for them to still be sitting fourth in the West, with this and maybe winning 50 games, when your starters have played 13 games together, it is because Rudy Gobert and Gordon Hayward are better than anyone realizes. Gordon's a better teammate, and Rudy Gobert's a better offensive player. And really it might be, you know, it's it's those two guys and probably largely more than Ru- Rudy really. Rudy is the seventh most impactful offensive player in the NBA and the best offensive player. Kawhi Leonard is after him. Carl Anthony Towns, Nikolai Jokic, then DeAndre Jordan and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bradley Beal, who we'll see tonight. Tyson Chandler, uh, who they've shut down at 47 games, so he'll just hold here. Clint Capella, Otto Porter. By the way, Rudy's a whole point of game better than Clint Capella, which he should be, but they're similar offense players. Uh, Otto Porter 1.7, Danilo Gallinari 1.7, Chris Paul 1.6, Monstrella Harrell 1.6, Clay Thompson, but that's the Very much the key to the Rockets is taking away their big men, right? They're getting 1.6 and 1.7 out of Clint Capel and Monstral That's Those two combined for positive 3.3. That's equal to the second-best offensive player in the NBA. It's hard to catch. Dame Lillard, 1.6. Mike Conley, 1.6. Gordon Hayward, 1.5. So top 25 offensive player in the NBA. uh, Impact. Uh, some interesting names. Gary Harris has moved into this group, which is really uh, awfully impressive. Uh, George Hill's at 1.1. Jimmy Butler's at 1.2. Um, Paul George is at 1.0. He's having the best month of his career. He's really good right now. Otherwise, uh, we've done this numerous times, and if you have not heard this before, every single player I'm about to mention to you, when he stopped playing, his team got better. Noelle, uh, Justice Winslow's the worst in the NBA in his 18 games. was minus 4.4. They got a lot better. Uh, Cameron Payne, minus 1.9, left the uh, Oklahoma City, stopped playing for Chicago, they got better. Jared Sullinger's hardly played this year. Emmanuel Moutier stopped playing for Denver, they got better, 1.8. Zach Randolph's minus 1.7. Chandler Parsons stopped playing for Memphis, they got better, minus 1.7. Dwayne Wade stopped playing for Chicago, they got better, minus 1.6. Michael Carter-Williams still continues to play. Nikolai Vukovic is a minus 1.6. Rajon Rondos is a minus 1.6. Marcus Smart minus 1.5, Brandon Ingram minus 1.5. So those are uh, your pack players. Quick check on, and then we'll go old school pack. I'm pretty excited for that. Uh, Hottest players in the league. Dane Lillard is the hottest player in the NBA right now at 5.0, followed by Isaiah Thomas, Carl Anthony Towns, Clay Thompson is on fire. Rudy Gobert is fifth at 4.2. Steph Curry, J.J. Redick, Nikolai Mirchik, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, Anthony Davis. He's been really good. Monstrel Harrell, LeBron, Mike Conley. Ricky Rubio, who was mammoth again last night. That's a huge breakthrough for him. Uh, Nikolai Jokic, Paul George, Gary Harris, Ennis Cantor, Anthony Tolliver, Trevor Ariza, and Andre Iguodala. Uh, Coldest players in the NBA. Eric Bledsoe, oh, he only played one. Uh, Tyler Eulis. In Phoenix, minus 4.4. 4. Dennis Schroeder, minus 3.7. Marcus Smart, minus 3.5. Zach Randolph, minus 3.3. 3. Mario Hezonja, minus 3.0. That's a little disconcerting if you're Orlando. Wesley Matthews, minus 2.8. Andrew Wiggins, minus 2.5. I miss Stanley Johnson, was in there at minus 2.9. And Troy Daniels in Memphis is struggling. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Andre Drummond, all of Detroit. But they got that win, that big win last night over Brooklyn. All right. Um, on the Jazz front of things, if you want a quick check of re- top ten recent ten p- games, uh, Shelvin Mack in his one, two games is a one point three. Joe Ingles point eight, Gordon point seven, Howell Neto point six, Dante point two. Withy minus point one, George Hill, minus point seven, Boris Dia minus point eight, Rodney, minus one, Trey Lyles, minus one, Alec Burks, minus one point two, Joe Johnson, minus one point six. It's not great. Last ten games. All right, let's do old school pack. All right, you're gonna uh you're gonna have by the way, the show today is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Uh the backstory here's a good one. Uh, the backstory is that uh, through Adam Chase and Chase Marketing and the really good people I've known forever, they said to me that we just met with Murdoch and they'd really Murdoch Hyundai and they'd really like to have you um, sponsor them. They'd like to sponsor your podcast. They'd like, but they'd like it to be personal. I said, okay, great. And they're like, he's like they're with Hyundai, and I'll admit, like I know nothing about the brand. Like I've seen them, the Genesis, sweet looking, uh, and I've all you know I've walked up to the Genesis numerous times and. Um, and kind of uh, at times looked at, you know, years past and be like, oh, my gosh, that's a Hyundai. Like, wow, that's really, really cool. Uh, and, and been, you know, been crazily impressed by how nice that car is. So I, I was like, okay, well, let's meet. Like, let me let me find out who they are, and, and then I'll figure out about the car. And uh, so I met the Murdochs and spent some time with them, and really that was cool. I was really impressed to understand what the setup is. It's family run. There's a, a son running each of the dealerships. Um, and that they're, you know, they, that to them that matters. That means that when you leave, you're representing them. When you drive out, your experience, when you talk about town, is is talking about the Murdochs and who they are as people. So that was really, that was neat to see. Um, the phrase they used a lot with me was no regrets. We want to make sure that someone never regrets for one second they spend time with us, uh, and they do it by having. You know, their dealerships open extra hours for service. They do it by having free car washes for life. They do it by by just all those kind of little things that matter to you after you've purchased the car. And then they try to have the just the most massive inventory for you so that you get exactly what you want. Then the eye-opening experience has been driving the Hyundai. Uh, both my wife and I love it it's just terrific for my wife. Who's really short. She's four foot 11. All the safety cameras are just wonderful. Cause she always has a really hard time looking out of cars and seeing things for me. Uh, I just if found I'm not a huge car guy. I, I drive a, you know, an older car and to have all the bells and whistles and just can tell that this thing has been manicured down to the finest, most minute detail to make sure that uh, you have a wonderful experience. Here's what I would tell you. I'm not, you know, don't just go walk. This would be stupid. Don't go just walk in and buy a car right now because I told you to. But if you're looking for a car uh, and you're going to go buy a new car, go at least put Hyundai on your list of cars and do the research and I think you'll be really stunned at what you get for your dollar. And then go drive it, and I think you'll be really pleased at how, how you feel, how it sits, how it looks. And then, then, then you can make your decision. And I'd suggest doing it with the Murdochs. All right, let's get to it. The best pack seasons of all time. I know that. I'm just some basic questions that will be asked. Wilt Chamberlain, 1961-62. He played 80 games. He averaged 48.5 minutes, so it skews a little bit. He had a 9.0 pack. Is that crazy? Wilt Chamber, Rick Barry, sixty eight sixty nine for the, o- the ABA at the time, the Oakland Oaks. Um, 62-63, Wilt Chamberlain for the San Francisco Warriors. That's the next year after his previous year. Uh, he took 35 shots a game. And 7.3. Adrian Dantley, 1982-83. He only plays 22 games, but he was on his way. Uh seventy-one, seventy-two. The twenty-four-year-old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh was able to had the four. Really, Barry and Barry only played thirty-five games. So really, Chamberlain has one and two. Jabbar has three at eighty-one games. He played uh, forty-four minutes a night. His back was was, was Steph Curry. Last season is the fifth-best offensive season, or fourth-best. Two, Chamberlain, at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Steph Curry. Fourth-best offensive season of all time. Walt Bellamy in 61-62 um, for Chicago at the time, I believe. It says CHP. Uh, 87-88, Charles Barkley for Philadelphia at 24 years old. Look at the ages on these. Kareem, nineteen seventy-seven, 71 23 for Milwaukee is next. Oscar Robertson. The 63-64 season and the 61-62 season are next. So he was way more efficient than anything Russell Westbrook's doing. I don't have this year's numbers in here. And truthfully, for whatever reason, these pack numbers have a little bit of a different number on them. I'm not. We're not sure why let to do with overtime, maybe how turnovers were counted or lack something. Actually, I don't put turnovers in packs. So we're, not, we're not entirely sure what happened there. Uh, Jerry West, 95-96 season uh, is next. Kevin Durant, 2013-14 for Oklahoma City, 25 years old. I mean, really, what's interesting here, Chamberlain 25, Chamberlain 26, Chamberlain 24, Steph 27. Barkley, 24. Jabbar, 23. Oscar Robertson, 25. Oscar Robertson, 23. Jerry West, 27. Durant, 25. If you're going to be like, this great? You do it. Chamberlain, 66-67 for Philly at 30. Andre, uh, Oscar Robertson at 62-63 at 24 for Cincy. And then AED, full season, 83-84 the next year, 27 years old. Adrian Dantley has the next best offensive season of all time. Followed by Jerry West, Oscar Robertson. Carl Malone's 1989-90 season, 26 years old for the Utah Jazz, follows that. Kevin Durant, 2012-2013 season, follows that. Connie Hawkins from Minnesota in 68-69. Then Barkley again. So the top se- offensive seasons of all time. Chamberlain, 1-2. Jabbar, 3. Steph Curry, 4. Walt Bellamy, 5. Barkley, 6. Kareem, 7. Oscar, 8, 9. Jerry West, 10. Kevin Durant, 11 and 13, 14. Chamberlain in, four t- in 66, 67 is next. It, so that's, oh, I forgot my count. Uh, 13. No, 12. Oscar Robertson, 13. Adrian Dantley, 14. Jerry West, 15. Oscar Robertson, again, 16. Karl Malone, 17. Kevin Durant, 18. Connie Hawkins, 19. Charles Barkley, 20. Uh, Another AD Jazz season flips in there, by the way, at 22. Bob McAdoo's a name we haven't heard flies up there at 23. Kevin McHale comes in at 25. Uh, AD flies in again. LeBron's early season, Miami season's hit top 30. Michael Jordan's best year in Chicago comes in here, 88-89. Amari Stoudemire with Steve Nash uh, gets into the top 50. Similar names, Bellamy, West, Dantley. Chris Mullins, 89-90 season for the Warriors, top 50. Shaq's 2002-2003 season with the Lakers. Reggie Miller, 89-90 season, the top 50 season of all time. Uh, A few more, Barkley, West, Artis Gilmore, uh, when he was, I think, in the ABA uh, with the Kentucky Colonels. Uh, And then an interesting one that's like the 50th is Pazer Stoyakovich. In the 2003-2004 season for Sacramento is, like, le- one of the best pack seasons. He must have been shooting threes at a rate that the rest of the league had not figured out yet. Um, So, interesting uh, there. And I'm going to have to ask Ron, uh, and then I find some old-timers going to tell me, Ron wouldn't even know, about Bailey Howell. He he comes in here somewhere. All right, so those are the best 50 of all time. Um, Should we do it, like? There's so many files in here. The worst offensive seasons, 50 games played. Emmanuel Moutier, 2015-16 last year. Um, Mark Makin, 91-92 for Denver. This is with at least 50 games played. Uh, Woody Salisbury in 1961-62. He got traded a bunch of times, too. I have no idea who he is. Kobe Bryant at 37 years old in 2015-16. Mookie Blaylock, in 22-year-old for New Jersey is one of the worst seasons of all time. Mahmoud Abdul-Roof at 21-years-old for Denver in 90-91. Wendell Ladner, if you're an old-timer, 72-73, don't really know anything about him. Uh, Gar Hurd in 74-75 for Buffalo. Uh, William Ladner showed up again. Ish Smith last year. Had one of the worst offensive seasons of all time. Baron Davis with the Clippers at 29 years old in 2008-2009. Norm Van Leer in Chicago, 75-76. Len Elmore, 75-76. Jason Kidd in Dallas at 22 years old uh, comes into this group. It's one of the worst offensive seasons of all time. That poor William Ladner still keeps checking in and... Seven early seventies guy. Must wonder, wonder what he must have been a. He- you know they must have thought he could defend because he couldn't play offense. Mookie Blaylock again at twenty three years old. Josh Smith at twenty eight in Detroit. Uh, Fifty games at least. Ray Williams in for the Kansas City Kings in eighty two eighty three. Rich Jones don't know him seventy five seventy three. Comes in as one of the worst seasons of all time. Nate Thurman at thirty three years old for Chicago. Fred Carter. Remember him? He used to be a broadcaster, 75, 76. Ron Mercer got traded that year in 2001, 2002. And I think it was Michael Carter Williams, 2014, 15. Bird Avert played for San Antonio in the ABA, maybe. Well, 73 might not have been the ABA anymore. So, that would not be the ABA. World Be Free had a bad year. I don't believe that. Rodney Stuckey, 2009-2010. All right. So, those are. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take your questions. It's a, I, I'm fiddle, literally filing through every single season that has ever played in the history of the NBA. So, as I go through your questions, you're going to... I mean, I'm going to be dancing and stalling a little bit and, um, and doing all of that. So... Uh, you have to kind of stick with me for that as I go through my the Twitter mentions and Twitter questions and um, so here we go. Let's see who people wanted. Um, how's the league's average players' points per possession trended over the year? It's actually been remarkably, um, remarkably kind of static. Um, what has happened is the uh, just recently it's jumped. Like for all they're – all, they're all, there seems to have been kind of this ebb and flow going on where the offense would get – the defenses would get better and the offenses would adjust by getting more efficient. And as the defense got better and would always kind of stay. Just recently um, it has gone the other – this year particularly is one of the great offensive seasons just efficiency-wise of all time. All right, uh, Pete, who's just so awesome all the time, wants to know uh, – uh, the 2003 2004 Pistons. This is great because my theory is you want every one of your players to be positive, and if you do that, then you have a chance to win it. So they had no great pack players. Chauncey Billups was like a 1.8, Rich Hamilton was a 1.1, 1. 1. Corliss Williamson, Tayshawn Prince, Mehmet Okur, Darvin Ham, Eldon Campbell were all positive. The only negative pack player on that team that actually played 20 minutes a night were two. Lindsey Hunter was actually a minus, and Ben Wallace. And he was the greatest defensive player uh, we've ever seen. So that's kind of a cool. Um, that's kind of a cool one right there. So good, I like that, Peter. Nice question. Great job. All right, let's go to the, everybody. You know, let's go to the obvious. The '96, '97 Jazz, '97, '98 uh, Jazz is the one that everybody loves to go to. So let's do it. Um, was anybody better than we thought? Mailman had the best at 4.2. Stockton was incredible at 3.2. Hornacek was amazing at 2.2. Brian Russell was a 1.8. A lot of threes, right? In that era, he took three a game, which was a lot. Ostertag was positive. Adam Keefe was positive. Shandon Anderson was positive. Antoine Carr was positive. Howard Isley was positive. Greg Foster was positive. The only guy that was negative, barely, was a minus .1 was Chris um. Uh, Morris, and that matches to exactly what I'll tell you about a championship caliber team. You have to just get everybody at positive. What happened the next year? Malone was at 4.3. Stockton was at 2.4. So Stockton's 2.4, and again, the numbers don't perfectly uh, go back and forth, but um, so Stockton's 2.4. This is kind of an interesting way to. This is going to kind of blow your mind, I think. Um, I'm not certain what blows your mind, but I think this is kind of worth chewing on. So Stockton, who used limited possessions but incredibly efficiently, and Rudy Gobert are having similar offensive impacts on games right now. I think that's a really neat kind of chew on it, fact. Jeff Hornacek was 2. Adam Keefe was really good that next year, 1.4. Shannon Anderson, 1.9. Brian Russell, one uh Howard Isley positive, Carr positive, Chris Morris now positive, Oster tag slipped slightly negative, Greg Foster, Jacques Vaughn, and Troy Hudson were a little more negative, and Greg Foster played, so he was the one. Seems like you can have one. Jacques Vaughn played just 45 games, Troy Hudson played just eight. Um, so good. That's kind of fun to see. Um, but yeah, Stockton Malone were that good. Um, in fact, let me see if I can do something here for a second. Let's go 97-98 only. Um. Oh, you know what? I have to do the morning show. So let me go do that, and we'll come back and do more of this. All right, that was lucky. I had forgotten about that. So let's go back to where we were. Uh, sorry for a little break there, and I'm not going to edit it. Uh, all right, so I thought that'd be cool if we just looked up those seasons. So in the 97, let's do 96-97 season first, uh, which is the first finals run for the Jazz. Uh, the number one pack player in the NBA is Glenn Rice. Wow, I had no idea. It must have been because he, he, yeah, he was shooting six threes a game. The rest of the league hadn't figured it out yet. Carl Malone was two. Kevin Johnson was three. Reggie Miller was taking six threes again at 43%. Glenn Rice took six threes that year at 47%. Like, talk about teams like people had not figured out uh, Glenn Rice in Sh- in Charlotte, Mitch Richmond. Gosh, these guys shooting threes were just so much more valuable than anyone else. So Glenn Rice was one. Mailman was two. Packs were all those are plus four. Uh Kevin Johnson, point guard, Chicago three. Reggie Miller four. Mitch Richmond five. John Stockton six. Mullen, seven. Jordan eight. Mario Elie never would have thought of it, but he was taking four threes a game at forty two percent. Latrell Sprewell, and then uh. Tyrone Hill was the sixth they didn't have the they didn't have the modern dunker. That's that's pretty interesting. So that's 95-96. Uh, the season before, let's go back. Or that was 96-97. Let's go back to the back season before. This is when the Jazz lose to uh, Seattle. Reggie Miller's the number 1 offensive player in the NBA because he's shooting three. Sean Kemp is 2, at 26 Jordan is 3, wins the title, Anthony Hardaway 4. Kevin Johnson, 5. David Robinson 6. Cedric Sabalos was 7. Mitch Richmond, 8. John Stockton, 9. Charles Barkley, 10. Carl Malone, 11. Alonzo Mourning was next. Jeff Hornacek after that. So the Jazz had 3. And then Shaq played 54 games. Glenn Rice was kind of beginning to touch on it. At five threes a game. was like, hey, I'm going to up that up to 7 the next game. I wonder if there's anybody who we actually thought, you know, let's go check. Is there anybody we thought was good that wasn't? Uh, Jason Kidd, that's the year we talked about earlier, one of the worst of all time. Anthony Avent, no. Antonio Harvey, no. Jason Williams, no. Sean Bradley it's one of the worst offensive players in the league. Jerome Kersey, Lorenzo Williams, Malik Seeley, Brian Shaw. Nope, no big mysteries there. Bobby Hurley, Poppy Jones. All right, let's go to the 97-98 season. It's kind of fun. I could do this forever. I don't have time to do it forever. Carl Malone was number one in the NBA that year, followed by Shaq, followed by Reggie Miller. Then Alonzo Morning played fifty-eight games. David Robinson was next. Mitch Richmond. Wow, he really had some great years. Maybe he does deserve the Hall of Fame. I've always thought that was a mistake. Tim Duncan, then Glenn Rice again. Well wow, he but Glenn Rice then deserves the Hall of Fame because he was every bit as good as Mitch Richmond for all these years. Eddie Jones, Sharif Rahim at 21 years old. Wow, what a great year. John Stockton is 11th at 35 years old. Then Detlef was kind of before his time. Arvita, Shrempf, Arvita Sabonis, the father of Donatus Sabonis. Steve Smith, Tom Gugliotta, Vin Baker in Seattle, and he was before the booze. Uh, Patrick Ewing at 35 years old and played 26 games. Dale Ellis was bombing three threes. Wesley Person was bombing six, was good, and then Jeff Hornacek after that. All right, those are good. 2010-11 Heat and Mavericks. It's an interesting question. That's the championship year. So let's go see if we can find it. So first off, Dwight Howard was the best in the NBA that year. Dirk was second. LeBron was third. Durant was fourth. Kevin Martin was fifth. Paul Pierce was sixth. Nene was seven. Chauncey Billups was eight. Dwayne Wade was nine. Ray Allen was ten that season. Uh, so... You want Dallas's championship team had only players in negative were Jason Kidd, and then that's it of guys that regularly played. So that's they fit the model, everybody. Dirk was 3.4, Tyson Chandler's before his time, rolling to the rim, dunking at plus, plus 2.5, doing exactly what Rudy's doing this year. Jason Terry, Sean Marion, Brian Cardinal, Jan Mahimi, J.J. Barea, Deshaun Stevenson, Karam Butler, Brendan Haywood, all above average. So that when... Dirk didn't get a shot off, and it went to somebody else. It was a positive possession, and that's how you win a title, is you, you get those, those positive plays. Miami, uh, LeBron was 3.3. Wade was 2.8. Bosch was 1.5. James Jones was 1.4. And then they're all positive until Juwan, they were all positive. Same, same thing. I'm telling you, that model does not fail. 85-86 Celtics is the next question. Huh. Why is my search not have that? Huh. Uh why what just happened here? Why do I not have the eight why can I not find the eighty five eighty six Celtics? Why is that there we go, now it's back. Okay. 85-86 Celtics. McHale was the best at 3.6, which is really, really high. Bird, 2.8. Parrish, 1.9. Walton, 1.2. Jerry Sheesting, 0.9. Danny Ainge, 0.7. And then Rick Carlisle, Dennis Johnson were all right at even. Sam Vincent was a little negative. Scott Wedman was a little negative. And Gary Kite was... Greg Kite was negative. They had a few more negative players. Game might not have been as efficient then. Um... So let me just ask for Eddie Johnson. Hard for me. I need a little more detail. All right. Keep going. Um, Let's see. Cedric Sabalos. I need years. It's hard to just go find a player. I need year. Um. I have any others here? Sorry, a lot of stuff in my in th- people tweeting at me. Some telling me about um, you know where I should put shoes and Kobe Bryant like for his whole career or like his best years or um let me see if I let me see if I can just find Kobe. It's not it's not like just searching a player is. Not the easiest. Oh, actually, it's not as bad as I thought. Well, it is if he doesn't show up. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. No, I did not get any matches for Kobe for some reason on the search. This is stimulating podcasting, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know why. Um, sorry. So I have no idea why that didn't, why Kobe didn't. Show up there. How about best Lakers seasons of all time? I'll compromise with you. Let's see what we find here. Best Los Angeles Lakers seasons of all time. Jerry West. Jerry West. Um, So Jerry West... 64, 65, and 67. Shaq's 2002. Then two more Jerry West. Then Kareem, 96, 97. Then Jerry West. Then Kareem. Then Jerry West. Then Shaq. Then Kareem. Then Shaq. Then Magic in 88, 89. Then two more Shaq. Then Magic. Then Jerry. Then Elgin Baylor, 61, 62. Then another Jerry West. Then two more Kareem. Then a Wilt. Then another Kareem. Then an Elgin Baylor, 62, 63. Before you get to Kobe Bryant, 2006, 2007, when he played 41 minutes a game and he had a 3.7 pack. That's Kobe's best year. 2002-2003 when he's 24 is his next best year. James Worthy flies in here. Then Kobe's next is 2007-2008. How's that? Um, I think, let me go back to the top, see if there's any more that I have uh, missed, but I think I've gotten all the questions. Do I have – I think I got it. So thank you very much. That was great. Sorry I was long. Add a little extra stuff, a little interruption. Uh, That is Locked on Jazz. Talk to you guys on Wednesday Uh, again, maybe Tuesday afternoon. Hopefully things break our ways. Hopefully we steal one of the next two games. And uh, thanks to Craig Bollajek. Thanks to Murdoch Hyundai for sponsoring the show on the Jazz